0: Mm. So one of the hinge points in our practice and we're <clears throat> so kind of restrained in turning to the mind is, uh, you know, we're not going out on a lot of other things, is that you tend to take the mind rather personally. <laughs> you know, you, you feel its, it's uh, rough edges and its grogginess and its... Uh, spluttering and stuff like that and uh, naturally one gets kind of engrossed in it take it very personally and then you get these real feedback loops where it becomes very intense and obsessive you know we get the thoughts and the memories and the perceptions and the emotions and then the, they build up and often they build up along these particular fault lines or areas where are already difficulties in you know feeling bad about ourselves. We think about things that make us feel bad about bad about ourselves. We feel oppressed by them, so we feel worse about ourselves, and so it goes on and on and on like that. You get this kind of building up of these difficult feedback loops. Or you know, a particular, obsession or craving, the one becomes enormous. Where where one life is more diffused, you don't get such a pressure. that's the big challenge of a life of restraint, isn't it? I think I felt a lot more uh, kind of balanced but very foggy in in lay life because all my craving and aversion was sort of diffused (laughs) and uh, kind of supported. But then when you come down to the raw workings of it, it suddenly seems very intense. So... Yeah, it's just the mind. And we can only uh, change it or or come out of that for our own welfare by changing the input we have on it. Really the fundamental input you can have when you meditate is is your own intentions. Your focus, your ability to pay attention. Yeah start to be kind to yourself and so on, pretty obvious stuff really, but doing it begins with that sense of acceptance, the mind being like this. So you kind of create a place where at least it doesn't build up. At least it doesn't build up. That's maybe the the fire break, you could say don't build up the pressures of obsession. Sometimes that's it, really. And then also the possibility of really putting in some other input. It's called the best kind of becoming making the mind become something, bhavana. So you can feel from the thinking process you feel the energies, feel it in your body, bring yourself into your body, steady those energies in your body, those impressions that stir up or that brighten up the sluggish state through your body. So why we do sitting why we develop mindfulness of body, walking, becoming more fluid, flexible, spacious, sitting feeling the rhythm of breathing, spreading that through the body. Just going to the silence of the mind or the, as that opens up. Mm. So these are what we cause to become, the best kind of becoming. Because although you don't want to take the mind personally, still it can cause you a lot of pain and other people pain as well if we don't take responsibility for it. So there's cultivation, the Buddha said, what's for my welfare, for the welfare of others and conducive to Nibbana. Mm. Now if it's my welfare and for the welfare of others, it's gotta be something that's pretty broad and not too idiosyncratic specific is it so we talk about goodwill we can have different opinions about things i think it's probably impossible to have the same opinions about everything but that isn't something that you want to make a crucial stand on because that's the nature of it opinions differ perceptions differ So if we hang on to those then we may in fact feel we're getting the well, way we like it individually, but it may not be for the welfare of others. So that what is for the welfare of others? You've got to start with that, my welfare, the welfare of others. Does it so, so it's a very patient kind of process, generating these very broad areas of uh, empathy and spaciousness, patience. Equanimity, simple clarity, non reactivity, does me good, probably does other people good, conducive to nibbana, not reacting to one's own tape loops. So, the best kind of becoming, mind can be more steady, unflustered, and you're starting to take input not from the things that are variable and uh or um differentiated, but from things that are less differentiated. Something that is encompassing, spacious, rather than distinctive and idiosyncratic. Breathing in, breathing out is pretty much the same for everyone when you get it, you no. Know? You may have different air tracts, but the sense of that, what arises within that sense of brightness or steadiness, calm, is pretty much the same. Silence is the same. Kindness is the same. So you you start to see what what the mind is like in those domains. Conducive to Nibbana because it leads to less uh, conflict, less, idiocy- less meanness. So this is the best kind of becoming. And then, uh, you know, what we realize is that there's a kind of obligation in a way to cultivate the best kind of becoming in order to just counteract this uh, karma that we experience, the resultant karma. Our histories, fearfulness, or the self images we have, we get out of all that. To get to those areas where you feel more strongly me. This is where the karma is, the, the places where you feel more strongly myself, you know, all that all that has with it. So our life is a kind of big sacrifice. It's a holy life. devour individuality. It only becomes possible because one begins to recognize something that's less differentiated actually feels better in the long run. It doesn't feel so good in the short run. But one of the qualities of, of real wisdom is being able to differentiate between what's short-term interest and happiness and long-term. It's pretty easy to see that most people in the world tend to go further and really attracted to the short-term the fashionable, the current vogue, the inspiring idea, the new cause, the latest flavour. It's like, uh, certainly, you know, when I was a teenager, you wanted to get the more fashionable clothes. So there was this trend they had for these, what they call winkle picker shoes, which are these shoes which are very pointy toes they are made out of thin leather, and they they pointed toes. Of course, it mangled your feet up, but it looked kind of cool. Everybody wanted a pair of these. And your mother would say, why don't you get yourself into sensible shoes? Sensible shoes. Sensible shoes are boring. Kind of things, that you know, the foot-shaped shoe. Everybody wants a foot-shaped shoe. I want the ones with whatever it is. And I guess the same thing's happening now. People wear things with their... You know, clothes with the backsides hanging out of it, freezing their kidneys, because it looks cool. <laughs> so why don't you wear some sensible trousers? I don't want to wear sensible it's not cool. It's a boring old thing, as soon have something with a bum hanging out of it. It <laughs> doesn't actually do the job, but it, it's... <laughs> the things that people do to their bodies. It takes a while, maybe about 50 or so, you start to <laughs> you get sensible shoes and sensible clothes. <laughs> and it's like, that's, that's long-term wisdom. It's like that, you know. It takes a while to get long-term wisdom because it's not particularly zappy of the recognition of, well, in the long run, this is probably for my welfare because in the short term, it's much more interesting to have the, you know, the low-waisted trousers or the the pointy shoes. You know. And that kind of habit continues, doesn't it? It caught up in a particular thing of the moment. You know. In Sangha life, you see these waves of it sometimes. We'll get, there's the kind of, uh, you know... You know, it's been through various areas of this. There was a kind of austerity wave, then a viniya wave, then a jhana wave, then a dialogue wave, then a, you know, there's all kind of stuff going through it, and all interesting. And, you know, eventually you realize that what the good bit out of all of them is where they all meet, where you get a sense of looking after yourself, looking after others, calming down, developing patience, kindness, and whatever fits into that, and lessen suffering. (laughs) You can glean something from any of these various approaches, you know, but also you can kind of get so obsessed with one approach that it becomes obstructive. You know you get kind of people who get really vineyard to a degree it becomes very difficult to live because everything 's got to be calculated according to some commentaries that don 't actually fit what we 're doing, so you know it 's kind of strange. Like an orchid trying to survive in a, in the like a hothouse plant you can 't do it, yeah you can 't say the vineyards wrong, and yet you know when one starts to get into this kind of stricter, tighter, purer, more absolute well you know is that really what the Buddha wanted i don 't know you know often he was just making judgments of, and changing his mind in accordance with conditions that arose and it's that's what we have that's what we've got handed down is something that's actually continually moderated and shifted and tweaked and it's a working thing it's an organic thing it's not kind of abstract principles there are principles in it there are always the principles of lessening the defilements for the welfare of oneself the faith of the laity for the welfare of the sangha for you know developing the path to nibbana you know You've got to keep measuring against these broad measures. Similarly with samadhi, you know, when does it become so difficult to be anywhere because it's got to be absolutely quiet and serene and you've got to have unbroken this, that, and the other before you can think, Well, I don't know, is it I don't know how much suffering want to do in order to get samadhi? You know, is there another way of experiencing this or approaching this, something a bit more manageable, you know? See so you look in the days of the Buddha, they're living out in jungles, they're living out with insects and difficult conditions. It could have been that refined, they're not living in sort of soundproof, centrally heated dharma halls. So, you know, you can see the kind of sense of what's really required to put into it is a patience, the equanimity, the long term. The skillful building up the caring the kindness There's a whole culture that goes on to cultivate not just the one off technique or system, nothing wrong with technique or system as the as the particular pointy bit of a whole broad field of approach, and you find what works. You know? Uh, and this is what makes it kind of interesting to me, is that uh, we all have to take the broad <coughs> and then keep trying to find one's personal way to that. So it's an interesting mixture. It's both very personal and then it's non- it's impersonal. It's Each of us individually has to find... From our where we are, our way out of where we are, not by denying it or cutting it off by actually how does this what are the themes within that that lead out for my welfare, for the welfare of others, we all have that sense, I'm sure nobody deliberately wants to be you know do something that's going to be difficult for other people, but we don't often know that so. What is my wealth and wealth for others? What is le- leading to Nibbana? That's the, that's the deep wisdom. That's the long-term thing. That you find out, making the mistakes, finding out. Erring this way, erring that way, checking it, counterbalancing it, finding out, how is this going to work for me? The best kind of becoming is regarded as a, a very in, you know, in personal thing, specific thing. What works for you, and then we also recognize that uh, you know whatever has become is just that it 's just the mind when it 's gone quiet it 's just the mind gone quiet. when it 's bright, it 's just the mind that 's gone bright. when it 's agitated it's just the mind that 's agitated it 's just mind states. And through that, through the range of it, through being with the whole range of it and getting less emotionally bound up with it and bonded to it, there is a a deepening and a stepping back and and a descent, you might say, into the unconditioned. An opening to that. I don't know any technique for that. I don't know any, but the general themes of this is uh, detachment, dispassion, resting, ceasing, relinquishment. It's a general—you might say—the process of the heart, that emotional lessening, withdrawal of energy, withdrawal of fascination, withdrawal of objection to to the way things are. And whereas we can't do that if we're still snagging. So you find it smooth, okay, good enough, and then you begin to, you get more reliable with that. It's just the mind. It's this.